Welcome to the Dhamma Podcast. The audio recording that follows was recorded during S.N. Goenka's tour of North America in 2002, known as the Meditation Now Tour. This podcast will be updated monthly, with additional archives from S.N. Goenka's talks and questions and answer sessions, as well as other speakers discussing aspects of Vipassana meditation as taught by S.N. Goenka. This podcast is sponsored by Pariyati, a nonprofit publisher that offers written, audio, and video content and whose mission is to enrich the world by disseminating the words of the Buddha, providing sustenance for the seeker's journey, and illuminating the meditator's path. For more information regarding Pariyati, please go to www.pariyati.org. That is www.pariyati.org. For more information on Vipassana meditation as taught by S. Goenka, including a schedule of courses offered throughout the world, please see www.dhamma.org. That is www.dhamma.org. Most venerable Bhikkhu Sangha and friends, we have assembled here this evening to understand what is Vipassana, which is the quintessence of Buddha's teaching. Buddha taught Dhamma, that is spirituality, practical spirituality, applied spirituality, the spirituality which has to be practiced in life, applied in life. He was personification of Dhamma, personification of spirituality. And he was interested to see people applying Dhamma in their life, not merely understanding at the intellectual level, not merely accepting it at the devotional level, which also is important to start with, but the actual benefit one gets only by applying Dhamma in life, applying spirituality in life. For this, he taught this technique of vipassana. What is, what is dhamma? What is spirituality? Dhamma is to live a moral life with disciplined minds, pure mind, full of love, compassion, goodwill, tolerance. This is Dhamma, and this is what he taught. Not only Gautama the Buddha, but all the Buddhas of the past, or the same Dhamma, 
and all the Buddhas of the future will teach the same Dhamma. He made it so clear. Sab papasa ekaranam. Abstain from all sinful actions. Kusalasya upasampada. Perform pious action, wholesome actions. And sechitta pariyodapanang. Purify the totality of your mind. Etang buddhanasasanang. This is the teaching of all the Buddhas. Every enlightened person will teach nothing. But to practice Dhamma in life, abstain from self-connections. Always perform pious actions, wholesome actions. And purify your mind. Purify your mind. These three teachings, they're already there. <coughs> even before Buddha, even at the time of Buddha, they continue to be there in every religion of the world. There is no religion in the world which does not teach morality, does not teach mastery of the mind, does not teach purification of the mind, and develop positive qualities of love, compassion, goodwill, tolerance. This is the essence of every religion. But every religion has an outer shell and that differs from one religion to another religion. The outer shell of rites, rituals, ceremonies, celebrations, philosophical beliefs and such things. Let people be happy with that. It differs still. If you practice that without hurting others, it's all right. But don't forget the essence. If importance is given to the essence and if essence is practiced in life, there can't be quarrels between one religion and the other. What we are seeing now, such a sorry situation in the name of religion. Therefore, Buddha was interested in giving all the importance to the quintessence of Dhamma. Shila, morality, samadhi, mastery over the mind, and panya, that is wisdom, Inside, purification of the mind by one's own insight. Yet there was big difference. 
And the difference was when he said, Se chitta pariyodapanam. The mind must be purified in totality. There are very ways, many ways and means to discipline the mind at the surface level, to purify the mind at the surface level, even slightly deeper level. But when we miss the depth of the mind, the root of the mind, when it remains unwholesome, then it is not total purification of the mind. He didn't say, Se chitte vodapanang, pariyodapanang, paripunna, totality. And for this, he discovered this wonderful scientific technique of Vipassana. To me, Buddha was a great scientist, a super scientist in the field of spirituality. Every word that he spoke You don't ask people that whatever I am saying, you accept it blindly. He never wanted people to accept things blindly without one's own experience. The emphasis was, you experience the truth yourself and you find it is good for you and good for everybody, then only accept it. And then not only accept it, but live that life, and that is Vipassana. A process of truth realization, a process of self-realization, realization of the truth pertaining to oneself, within oneself, by oneself, at the experiential level. All the sages and saints and seers of the past have been teaching us, know thyself, know thyself. How to know myself? I know I am going, so what? Doesn't help. Know the truth within the framework of this body, the truth about this physical structure, the corporeal structure, the truth about the mental structure, totality of it, in its true nature, as it is. And if there is something beyond mind and matter, that also is not to be accepted merely at the intellectual level, not to be accepted merely at the emotional or devotional level, Buddha said so, so we agree, doesn't help. You have to realize that. The ultimate truth which is beyond mind and matter has to be realized. What one gains by that? The process of self-realization, truth-realization is not just to quench 
the thirst of curiosity, the thirst of inquisitiveness. What is this physical structure? What is mental structure? No. The purpose is to realize the truth as to where I am going wrong. What is happening? As a scientist, he discovered the misery that everyone is experiencing. It is not without cause. There is cause. At the apparent level, yes, we can say, one is miserable because something happened which one doesn't like or something has not happened which one wanted to happen. Yes, apparent truth, truth, no doubt, but not the real truth. When I am miserable, it is not merely because of the outside happenings, I am miserable because of something happening in me. And when I miss that, I miss everything. Then I don't understand the real cause of my misery. And I don't understand how to eradicate the real cause of the misery. Like a scientist, he discovered, imasming sati idang hoti, imasming aisati idang na hoti. If this, this is there, this result is bound to come. If you don't want this result, then this, this should not happen. What this? What is he talking about? Made it so clear. If ignorance is there, ignorance of what? Not that one has not read the scriptures, not that one has not read the words of Buddha. It doesn't mean that ignorance. Ignorance about oneself, what is happening? What is happening deep within myself? When one remains ignorant, out of ignorance one keeps on generating nothing but misery, misery, misery. No one wants to live a life of misery. Everyone wants to live a happy life, peaceful life, harmonious life. Yet, out of ignorance, one keeps on generating nothing but misery, all the time. Misery, misery. At the surface level, it looks, I'm not generating any misery. When you go deep inside, you find every moment you are generating misery, misery. How? Not to accept because Buddha said so. You have to experience this truth. And that is know thyself. The saints in my country, although the technique of Vipassana was lost in my country, in India, the country of origin, it was practiced by the people hardly for about five centuries, and after that, it was lost. Technique was lost. General public was not practicing it. But there were saints 
when we go through the words of some of the saints, it becomes so clear that they were practicing the words that they say, the truth. The whole process of practicing vipassana is remain with the truth. Truth as it is, not as you would like it to be, as it is in its true nature. You will come across very gross truth initially. As you start practicing vipassana, very gross. As you proceed, subtler truth, subtler truth, subtler, subtler, subtlest truth pertaining to this corporeal body. Subtlest truth pertaining to the mind. And then only you transcend the truth of mind and matter and experience something which cannot be described in words. The whole process of observing the truth as it is, as it is, is also a process of purification of the mind. And for that, that purpose, he gave this wonderful technique. Truth, be with truth. A great saint of our country in India said, Adi such, Juga di such, Hai bhi such, Nanaka ho si bhi such. If you start with truth and continue with truth, 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 you are bound to reach the ultimate truth. Nothing but truth. Kim sachi yara ho viye, Kim kude tutte paale, Hukum rajai chalena, O nanak likhiya naare. Kim sachi yara ho viye, Every moment sachi yara, truth, 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 No falsehood should be there, no layer of falsehood. Then you realize what is the law of nature, what the nature wants us to do. Or we can say what is the law of the God Almighty, what this God Almighty wants us to do. It will become clearer and clearer that whenever we break the law of the nature, we get punishment then and there. If we break the law of a country, we have to suffer, we get punishment. But it may take long time, maybe years together, from one court to another court to another court. And sometimes, we may not get punishment. But the law of nature is such, as soon as you break the law, then and there you get the punishment, you start suffering. And as soon as you start living a life in accordance to the law, the nature gives reward then and there. Or you can say the God Almighty gives reward then and there. This becomes so clear, so clear at the experiential level. The law of nature, hukum rajai, 
one starts living that life according to the law of the nature what is the law of nature which becomes very clear the moment you defile your mind the moment you generate any impurity in the mind you are punished then and there you are punished not that after death you will get some punishment yes after death also you will get punishment but what happens now that is more important and that is why he emphasized akaliko this moment is very important for you this moment one starts suffering and when the defilement is gone mind is pure one gets reward then and there so much of peace so much of harmony one goes to the depth of the mind and starts realizing the nature one finds whenever i generate any negativity anger hatred ill will animosity ego passion fear any defilement the meditation teaches us to observe the reality within yourself as it is as it is and one starts experiencing the whole body started burning there's such a big burning sensation burning sensation the palpitation increases tensions get build up i generate anger to harm somebody to take a revenge somebody has insulted me so i generate anger to harm this person but before i harm this person i started harming myself nobody wants to harm oneself this is the ignorance one doesn't know what is happening within oneself keep on harming harming his words become so clear with the practice of vipassana pubbe hanati attanan pacche hanati so pare pacha hanati so pare you first harm yourself and then only you harm others you can't harm anybody without first harming yourself the first part of the teaching live a moral life don't commit any sinful actions at the intellectual level one understands human being is a social being if i commit any unwholesome action that means i kill somebody i steal something that doesn't belong to me i commit sexual misconduct i speak lies and try to deceive others i speak harsh words and hurt others i get intoxicated and not within my senses and everything that i do is harmful to others if i don't do these i am not harming the society i am not harming the other members of the society i live a good life yes it is true but one when practices vipassana one understands i am not merely obliging the society i am obliging myself one understands every time i break my shila my morality i can't break 
without generating some impurity or the other in the mind. I kill somebody. How can one kill somebody? Without generating anger, hatred, ill will, animosity. And the moment one generates, one becomes the first victim of one's own negativity, starts suffering. One realizes that at the experiential level, what I am doing? I am harming myself. What I am? Nobody wants to harm oneself. Look, I am creating suffering myself. Nobody wants to create suffering for oneself. This is the ignorance. Without knowing what is happening deep inside, and without knowing what is happening deep inside, one keeps on generating one defilement or the other, one defilement or the other, and keeps on making oneself miserable, miserable. You steal something not belonging to you. How can you steal? Unless you generate tremendous amount of greed. And if you are a good Vipassana meditator, observing the truth as it is within yourself, it will become so clear. The moment I generate greed, I lose the balance of my mind. I lose the peace of my mind. I lose the harmony of my mind. I have started harming myself. I will harm others later on. But first I start harming myself. Sexual misconduct. How can one practice sexual misconduct unless generating tremendous amount of passion, lust? And the moment you generate passion, lust, deep inside, a good meditator, you have lost the balance of your mind. You have lost the peace of your mind. You have lost the harmony of your mind. You started suffering, suffering. You speak such words where you want to deceive others. You speak harsh words to hurt others. You can't do all that without generating some impurity or the other. You started harming yourself. You get intoxicated, then you are a slave of this intoxication. And you do not know what you are doing. We are giving courses in the prisons, not only in India, but in many countries, and I come across very hard criminals. About 90% of these criminals have committed crime under the influence of intoxicants. Intoxicated. They get intoxicated and they don't know what they are doing. So harmful. Buddha doesn't say simply that by observing morality you are obliging society. Yes, you are obliging the society. You are a member of the society. You should not disturb the peace and harmony of the society. Perfectly all right. But understand, you are disturbing your own peace and harmony. The moment you generate any defilement, nature starts punishing you. Then and there you become miserable. Although you do not know, because you have never been to the depth of the mind. Buddha says at the depth of the mind, you are carrying burning charcoal, burning charcoal. But over that thick layer of ashes, basma channo vapavako. The fire is there, 
But this thick layer of, of ashes, you feel, I'm quite happy, I'm not miserable. By Vipassana, you take this layer away and then you see burning. Every time you generate any impurity, you're burning, you're burning. One starts coming out easily. Provided one practices Vipassana properly. That means Yathabhut Jnana Dasanam. You accept the truth of this moment as it is. And the truth of this phenomenon of mind and matter, nothing else. As it is, in its true nature, this is what you have to observe. This is Vipassana. The saints in my country later on also kept on saying that Thapiya ne jai O kita ne hoji Apu apani ranjan soji Apu ap Thapiya ne jai Don't impose anything on the truth that is manifested Kita na hoji don't try to create anything. Accept the nature as it is. The nature has manifested the truth as it is. The reality of this moment as it is. And understand its nature. This is Vipassana. For that one has to make the mind very sharp, very subtle, very sensitive. Then only you go to the depth of the mind and feel the reality there. And he gave a wonderful te technique for that. Sit down, comfortably, in any posture that suits you. Not necessarily this posture or that posture. Not necessarily a lotus posture or half lotus posture. If someone can sit in this posture, very good, carry on. Otherwise, any posture that keeps you comfortable for longer periods at a stretch is a good posture for you. Keep your back and neck straight. Keep your eyes gently closed. Nothing to see outside. You have to experience things inside. And if you keep your eyes open, the mind will start wandering here and there. Keep your eyes gently closed. Keep your mouth gently closed. And then see what reality has started manifesting. Reality, nothing but reality. And reality pertaining to this mind and matter structure. What is happening now? The first reality that will, you will observe is the breath coming in, the breath going out. It is reality. No imagination. No philosophical belief is imposed on it. And you're not creating anything. Natural breath, don't make it a breathing exercise. Never try to interfere the natural flow of the breath. Keep your attention at the entrance of the nostrils and just keep on observing the breath coming in, the breath going out, as it is yathabhuta. If it is deep, it is deep. Just accept it is deep. If it is shallow, it is shallow. If it passes through left nostril, left nostril, right nostril, right nostril, just accept the reality as it is, not as you would like it to be, as it is.
initially it becomes very difficult. Although you are asked to just observe, you are not making a breathing exercise, you are not trying to control your breath, natural breath, like you are sitting at the bank of the river and the river is flowing. You have nothing to do for the flow of the river, it is there, natural. You are just sitting at the bank, <coughs> observing the flow. What difficulty? No difficulty, no effort to be made. You keep your attention here, the natural flow of the breath you are just observing, so easy and yet so hard. Whenever you will make your mind to come to a 10-day course of Vipassana, you will find so difficult, so difficult. You will hardly observe just a couple of breaths and the mind is gone somewhere. You realize after some time, oh, what happened? I was here to observe the breath. What am I doing? Again, you start with the breath. Again, just a few breaths. Mind is gone somewhere. A new student on the first day, I find, sometimes gets very frustrated, very irritated, generates anger towards oneself. Towards one own mind, what kind of mind I am carrying? You have to do nothing. Just stay here and observe the breath. And you can't do even this. And the guide will say, no, don't generate negativity. You have come here to come out of negativity. Negativity is negativity. Anger is anger. Whether it is towards yourself or towards anybody else, you become a miserable person. And you have to come out of it. Just accept. You were observing the breath, mind wandered away. And as soon as you realize mind has wandered away, just accept the fact. At this moment, mind has wandered away. This is the reality of this moment. Accept it. Come back. The breath is still there. Start working. Start working. Mind wanders away. And when you realize again, just accept. Just accept. Mind has wandered away. Like this trying for one day, two days, three days. Because the technique wants you to be the truth. If you start having some, any kind of imagination, if you start having any kind of verbalization, visualization, if you start imposing some philosophical belief, this or that, then it won't work. As it is, just breath, nothing but breath. And he wants you to be on a small area. Keep the attention on a very small area. Uttarottasamajjapadesi, the upper lips, central part. Just keep your attention here. A small area, remaining with the truth, continuously, even for a few minutes, the mind starts becoming sharper and sharper, subtler and subtler. One starts observing. Subtler realities, realities, nothing but reality. Subtler realities. On this area, three days one was working on this area, keeping the attention here. Mind wanders and you come back, mind wanders and you come back. You start feeling some biochemical reaction or the other taking place here. Some electromagnetic reaction or the other taking place in this area. With this, some physical sensation, this or that, any sensation. It can be just heat, perspiration. It can be throbbing, pulsing, vibrating, tingling. It can be heaviness, numbness. 
different kinds of sensations are there. Just observe, do nothing. Don't say this sensation is wonderful or that is bad, nothing doing. You are a silent observer. Observe objectively as it is, yatha bhuta. And from the fourth day, your mind is so sharp, so sensitive, you start feeling these sensations from the top of the head to the tips of the toes. Every part of the body, every moment, every part of the body, every particle of the body, there is some sensation or the other. Wherever there is life, there is sensation, bound to be sensation. This is the truth. And you observe it. You observe it. Initially, on the first day, you come across very gross, solidified, intensified, unpleasant sensations like pressure, heaviness, tension, pain, etc. You observe. Don't react. Observe objectively. Keep on observing. Keep the balance of the mind. And you will find, in a day or two, this solidity of the body starts dissolving. All these gross sensations get dissected, disintegrated, divided, dissolved, dissolved. You are moving from the gross reality to the subtler, subtler, to the subtlest. And this great scientist that the world has ever produced, without any kind of scientific apparatus, he discovers that this body looks so solid. It is not. Just mass of atomic particles, so tiny atomic particles, which you can't see. And he gave a word for that, the tiniest material particle, he said, kalapa, the tiniest unit. The entire body is nothing but mass of these atomic particles. And this atomic particle is also not solid. All this he's experiencing, not playing intellectual game, he's experiencing. Every student starts experiencing in the same way. Even the tiniest kalapa, the atomic particle, is not solid. Mere vibration, mere vibration. The scientists today, with the help of their instruments and apparatuses, come to the same truth. In this material world, no solidity. Mere vibrations, mere vibrations. And this great scientist 26 centuries back says mere vibration. Sabbo pajjalito loko, sabbo loko pakampito, pakampito. Mere combustion and vibration, combustion and vibration, that's all. And what you gain by that? Again, he was not teaching all these things just to quest your inquiry about yourself your curiosity about yourself, there was a great meaning behind that. When you reach the stage which some students start experiencing, the entire body is mere vibration and the mind also mere vibration, the solidity of the mind which manifests itself as some strong emotion, anger, hatred, passion, so solidified, you keep observing, observing again, Dividing, dissecting, disintegrating, becomes mere vibration, mere vibration. Mind is mere vibration, body is mere vibration. The entire universe, a stage comes when you can feel things outside us. Mere vibrations, sabbo pajjali loko, 
sabbo loko pakampito people reach to some extent this stage some on the seventh day some on the eighth day some on the ninth day some on the tenth day some may not feel the entire body mere vibration some part of the body some may not feel in one ten days maybe in second ten days in third ten days but the whole technique takes you to the stage where you experience there is no solidity in this physical structure no solidity in the mind mental contents mere vibrations mere vibrations and what you gain by that when you start feeling this mere vibration mere vibration the real purpose of vipassana becomes clearer and clearer to you it becomes so clear you start understanding how the mind and matter how they work how the mind keeps on influencing the body and how the body keeps on influencing the mind every moment a stage will come much later when you can understand 121 types of mind 52 types of mental contents that's a far journey but initially you start understanding four basic divisions of the mind first aggregate of the mind first part of the mind these sense doors eyes ears nose tongue body and even the mind something comes in contact from outside a sound comes in contact with the ear some shape form color light comes in contact with the eyes smell comes in contact with the tongue, with the nose taste comes in contact with the tongue something tangible comes in contact with the body a thought comes in contact with the mind what happens as soon as there is a contact first contact phaspachaya vedana there is bound to be a sensation on the body law of nature this was a great discovery of this super scientist every time there is a contact from outside there is a sensation in the body the second part of the mind what is this what 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 has come from outside the first part simply says that just sound a sound has come in contact with the ear the second part will say what sound with all the memory of the past with all the experience of the past this part of the mind will recognize oh this sound is sound of abuse insult sound sound of praise he has recognized this part of the mind is recognized and given evaluation and one will notice the sensations very neutral sensations that started by this contact suddenly changes the moment this part of the mind says this is abuse very bad and you will find a flow of very unpleasant sensations throughout the body very unpleasant the moment this part of the mind says ah this is praise wonderful and you find this sensation change into very pleasant sensation a flow of vibrations unpleasant pleasant the third part of the mind starts feeling pleasant unpleasant then the fourth part will raise its head it will start reacting 
Words are words, mere vibrations. But the valuation is given. Abuse, very bad. And the sensation is very unpleasant. One reacts. Abusing somebody, abusing me. Somebody insulting me. And you react. You generate anger. You generate hatred. Words are words. Words of praise. Pleasant sensation. Ah, wonderful. Let people praise me again and again. Craving. Clinging. All the time in the body, in the physical structure, there are sensations, pleasant, unpleasant, sometimes neutral, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. And one keeps on reacting, craving, aversion, craving, aversion. This has become a habit pattern of the mind at the root level. The surface of the mind doesn't know what's happening deep inside. How will you rectify? You will try to rectify your mind only at the surface level. Because our gurus have said, our scripture says, don't generate impurity in the mind. Don't generate raga, don't generate dvesha, don't generate craving, don't generate aversion. This is very harmful. Yes, 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 yes. I should not generate. I... You are not generating at the surface level. Good. But deep inside, every moment, sensation is there. Pleasant, unpleasant. Every moment. And you are strengthening this habit pattern. This habit pattern of making yourself miserable. This was a great discovery of this enlightened person. Everyone is responsible for one's own misery, none else. As everyone is responsible for one's own real happiness, none else. If you go to the depth and realize the truth within yourself, as you start realizing this truth, you find, I'm burning. Look, I'm burning. Ragaggi. Dosaggi, Moaggi, only burning, burning, burning. And started suffering. Certainly you want to come out of it. The habit pattern starts changing at the depth of the mind. One tries to remain equanimous. However unpleasant the sensation may be, you just observe and you find its characteristic is arising, passing, arising, passing. However gross, intensified sensation may be, it arises, seems to say for some time, sooner or later passes away. It is not eternal. And when you come across very pleasant sensations, very subtle sensations, same characteristic, arising, passing, arising, passing, with great rapidity, but the same, same characteristic, anicca, anicca, anicca. And you realize something which is so impermanent, so ephemeral, what foolishness to create craving and aversion and become miserable towards these sensations. One understands I am not reacting to things outside. Now I am reacting to these sensations and they are so ephemeral. The habit pattern starts changing. Habit pattern starts changing. You started coming out of your misery. He was not interested in so many other things. He said, I can understand what is happening throughout the universe. But I'm not going to tell you all that, what you will gain. I teach you only things which are so important for you, relevant. You, out of your ignorance, you are harming yourself. This is relevant to you. And it was relevant 2,600 years ago. Not only that, millions of years ago. It is relevant today. It will remain really relevant millions of years later. The law of nature. You have broken the law of nature. You have defiled your mind. 
you become miserable here and now, you come out of this defilement. And the peace and harmony that you enjoy, indescribable. The ordinary happiness that you get by this sensual pleasure, that sensual pleasure, looks so, so meaningless. When you go to that depth and experience real peace, real harmony of the pure mind. But one has to experience that. Mere, merely accepting it at the intellectual level, yes, if there is no impurity, then mind is pure. And the pure mind is full of love, full of compassion, full of goodwill. Then one must be very happy with that. If I defile my mind, there is unpleasant sensation. I become. You understand at the intellectual level, you have not realized it. And changes will not, will not come at the root level unless you realize it. He kept on saying that. That's why you have got a big, huge tree, a poisonous tree. You don't like it. It is dangerous. You cut the tree. Still the roots are there. Another tree will sprout. Roots are there. More and more trees will keep on sprouting. Cut the roots and you are liberated. So the whole teaching of Vipassana that he gave was the practical part of abstain from unwholesome action, perform wholesome actions and purify your mind. Totality, totality of your mind. These were sermons, but he was not interested in giving sermons only. He gave a way how to practice, how to experience. Anybody can experience. The whole technique is so non-sectarian. You start observing your breath. What sect? What level you will give? This breath is a Hindu breath now. Oh, no, no, this is Buddhist breath, a Christian breath, a Jewish breath. What breath? Breath is breath. And later on, when you start experiencing some impurity in the mind, anger, hatred, passion, fear, ego, what level you will give? This anger is Hindu anger, Muslim anger, Buddhist anger, Christian anger. What anger? Anger is anger. And the misery that you experience with this, what label can you give? Misery is misery. And when you come out of this defilement and start experiencing peace and harmony within, again you can't give any label. This peace is Buddhist peace, peace or Hindu peace or Christian peace. Peace is peace. When your mind is pure, you experience peace. The whole teaching is so scientific. The whole teaching is so non-sectarian, so rational, so pragmatic. No blind belief involved. My first attraction, I was born in a very staunch Hindu conservative family. I'm happy. I got so much of spiritual beginning with that. But that when I, when I went to the first course of Vipassana, and I found what he's teaching. His teaching can be practiced by anybody and everybody. And when he says, don't believe, don't believe what your tradition says. Don't believe what your teacher says. Don't believe what your scripture says. Don't believe what I say. You experience the truth. And when you find that, yes, it is helpful to me and helpful to others, then only believe it and not only believe it, 
live the life. So wonderful. Anybody can practice. And I saw it with my teacher. Not only the, the Buddhists were there, I as a Hindu went there, a Christian was there, and later on I found some Mr. Muslims there. And after 14 years when I started teaching, the entire world is accepting it. There is no religion in the world today whose followers are not attending Vipassana courses. No religion. Many a times you find leaders of the religions, they are coming to the courses. Take advantage of it. Till now about 2,000 Christian priests and nuns have come and they keep coming every year, 150 of them. Hindu sannyasis, Buddhist monks, Sikh gurus, all people from different communities. They come, they get the same benefit. No discrimination. High or low, no such thing as high caste or low caste. No such thing as rich or poor. No such thing as male or female. The Dhamma applies to everyone. The law of nature applies to everyone. Human being is human being. Human mind is human mind. And they get the same benefit. I was so attracted. And now I find people around the world belonging to different traditions. They come and they get the same benefit. Same benefit. All of you who have come today to understand what Vipassana is, at least at the intellectual level. May you all find ten days of your life, experience the truth, and enjoy the best fruits of the teaching of Buddha. Enjoy real peace, real harmony, real happiness within yourself. May all of you enjoy real peace, real harmony real happiness. Questions? Good, good, good. <laughs> good. For a person who grew up in a Hindu community, how is it you practice a Buddhist meditation? Here is an example. Both of us, we were born in very staunch Hindu conservative Sanatani family and yet we practice and found the same result which everybody finds. So don't hesitate. Whether you come from the Hindu tradition or Christian tradition or Muslim tradition, makes no difference. Give it trial for your good and for your benefit. What is the purpose of your present tour of North America. I find misery is there everywhere. Even the most affluent society in this country, misery is there. And the recent great tragedy, big misery. I want to serve the people spread this wonderful technique so that they can find a way how to come out of misery. And this is the purpose. Will learning Vipassana meditation help me with my studies? Certainly. Large number of students are coming. There are children courses being given. Children course just for three days, observing the breath. That itself starts giving so much benefit. The memory becomes very sharp. The understanding of the subject becomes very clear. 
And of course, the character building starts from the very beginning. Now, some colleges have made it compulsory. Vipassana is a compulsory subject because they get so much good result. So as a student, you are the future citizens of the country. Great responsibility you have to carry. Learn this wonderful technique to live a happy life, harmonious life, peaceful life. Does one have to become a monk to practice Vipassana? We have great respect for the monks. They have left all the comforts of the household for this very purpose. And because they don't carry this multifarious responsibility of a householder, they can work much more. They have more time. But this does not mean that this technique cannot be practiced by the householders. At the time of Buddha, there were hardly 100,000 monks or nuns. Others were all millions of householders who practiced and got the same result. Now also, such large number of householders are coming and they get the same result. If someone decides to leave the householder's life, we pay respect to this person. Good. Of all emotions, I find pride, abhiman, hardest to conquer. Any pointers? <laughs> the basic problem is this abhiman, ego, I, I. An imaginary I. You keep on saying I, I, without knowing what is this I. And tremendous amount of attachment to this I. Whenever you find you are miserable and you start observing the truth with the practice of vipassana, you will find you have generated some defilement or the other. And you will also find why you generated this defilement, because your ego got hurt. You got so much attachment to your ego. Your ego got hurt and that is why you started generating impurity, started harming yourself. By this technique, ego will start dissolving, dissolving, dissolving. And the whole life pattern will change. Take a 10-day course and you will understand how this abhiman will go away, how this ego will go away. Not in ten days, all will go away. A beginning is made. It starts dissolving. Can killing another for the sake of protecting others be justified ever? Again, under certain circumstances, if you have to kill somebody, why you kill yourself? You kill yourself and then you kill others. Don't harm yourself. Whenever a situation comes like this, try to explain this person in soft language, language full of love. This person doesn't understand and starts harming others. Then you have to use hard language. You have to take hard action. But before doing that, Vipassana wants you even for a few seconds, observe what sensations I have at this moment and whether I am equanimous or not and whether I have got love and compassion for this person or not. If I have anger and hatred towards this person, I am started killing myself. 
you have to take hard action in certain situation but don't harm yourself otherwise you can't help anybody else how can one sustain the feeling that one obtains during the 10 day course this is what you will learn there feelings will arise and with the feelings mental feelings you will feel physical sensations and the whole technique teaches you remain equanimous see how long it lasts see how long it lasts and you find it is ephemeral it is an, it is not eternal and the reaction towards this feeling becomes weaker 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 you are coming out of your old habit pattern you are coming out of your misery if everything is vibrations what are chakras <laughs> what is the soul this is what you will learn coming to a course what are chakras every particle of the body you will find vibration vibration so when you come to these nerve centers you will find mere vibration vibration actually these nerve centers we are observed with these vibrations to make the mind equanimous the vibration is very strong there because important nerve centers and you remain equanimous equanimous you are changing the habit pattern of your mind it was for this purpose it started later on people forgot vipassana and it got defiled and what is soul you will understand as you go deeper what i am calling soul and you will find most of the time this physical structure you are saying i i mine mine dehatma buddhi this deha becomes i for you most of the time this mind becomes i for you chittatma buddhi this mind becomes i i and when you divide dissect disintegrate this mind and matter mind and matter which arises passes arises passes away and what people say soul is eternal nothing eternal here let me see what is eternal and when you transcend the field of mind and matter you find this is eternal nothing arises nothing passes away but you become dumb you can't say what it is because it is beyond the sensual field indriyati all the indriyas stop working and you experience and when you come back in the indriya field you can't describe even if you describe people won't understand so this is something indescribable if you start calling it soul then you will impose it on your body you will impose it on your mind come out of that that is dangerous what is the purpose of life practice vipassana come out of misery and the purpose is served live a good life good for you and good for everybody is the ultimate truth anicca when you talk of ultimate truth pertaining to the body it is anicca ultimate truth pertaining to the mind or mental contents anicca but something beyond mind and matter this is not anicca nothing arises nothing passes away what it is you have to experience it and then you will find what it is your technique seems to be very simple does one need to attend a course or can we practice by ourselves 
when I went to my teacher, having come from a business community with a business mind, I started bargaining. <laughs> oh, Guruji, why 10 days? I'm a very intelligent person. You just explain me. I'll practice at home. Have confidence in me. I'll practice at home. Then, all right, I'll stay here one day and learn. Two days, three days, nothing to me. You can't go to the depth and there must be somebody, an experienced person with you to guide. Otherwise, you may take a wrong step which might harm you. First ten days you have to be with a teacher. Never remain under the clutches of a teacher. No Guru Dham allowed. You have to be your own master. Dhamma teaches you to become self-dependent. But in the beginning to learn the technique, you have to go with somebody. Spare ten days of your life and learn this technique and then keep on practicing and apply it in life. In today's world, time is scarce. It is almost impossible to make ten days and go for a course. Can you make it shorter? <laughs> bargaining, bargaining. This is a country of business people, so I know why the bargain. Tell me if you are sick and your doctor says you have to enter the hospital, not ten days, one month. You say, oh, I'm very busy. I can't go to hospital. You have to go. And you are sick. You don't understand you are sick. Mentally you are so miserable with these defilements and you keep on multiplying defilements. Spare ten days of your life and you will find you are coming out of this misery, coming out of this disease. There's the hospital, not to stay there. Learn the technique, live a happy life. What is the procedure of coordinating Vipassana at the corporate level? At every level, it is so important. Every individual needs it because every individual out of ignorance keeps on harming oneself, keeps on harming oneself. And at the corporate level I know so much of responsibility because I come from the business community. Having fully engaged in trade, in industry, all the time so much of tension, so much of tension. You can come out of the tension. There are so many techniques to help you to come out of tension. But the habit pattern of generating tension remains. This technique takes you to the depth where this habit pattern goes away. I know before I practice Vipassana, after eight hours or so in my business, I'll feel so fatigued. After Vipassana, ten hours, twelve hours, I feel so fresh. The capacity to work increases. Those people who have responsibility in life whether in business or in government services, they find it so helpful. Your capacity to work increases. If you are a businessman, your business increases. You will always make right decision, quick decision, and that is very important for responsible people. And that is why executives, not only business executives, government executives, now governments in India, especially Maharashtra government, the Hyderabad, the, the Andhra government, the Madhya Pradesh government, they are giving 14 days leave to their high officials from secretary downwards, high officials, 
go to Vipassana for 14 days, leave with pay. Why? Because you find such a good result. So you won't lose anything. Anybody who is fearing, I am the head of the corporate, how can I spare 10 days for your selfish interest? You will get more profit, more business and with peace of mind. If a major part of Sheila is no wrongful sexual misconduct, then does Vipassana prom promote celibacy? If so, then will this man, the end of giving birth, in the practice, what is the middle ground? Wonderful middle, gr middle ground, you have sex relation with one person, husband and wife, meditating. Whenever passion arises, both of them start observing sensation, sensation. They are out of passion, not necessary to have any body relation. They are not out of passion and they have body relation, so what? You are not broken with Sheila, this is not a sexual misconduct. And as they continue, the sex relation becomes more and more disciplined, disciplined. And the time comes when one is out, out of sex, sexual activities. Celibacy and pure celibacy is so peaceful, one has to experience that. When you have celibacy, suppressed celibacy, so many large number of people who left the householder's life and taken the vow of celibacy from every community. Large number of Christian priests are coming, Hindu sannyasis are coming, Jain monks are coming, Buddhist monks are coming. And some of them privately tell me, this is the problem, passion arises and I suppress, passion arises, I suppress. Large number of people, because of this suppression, they become psychic case. They are so miserable, they keep running to the psychiatrist. And if they don't suppress and express it in the wrong way, I feel so unhappy when I read in the papers that such and such priest had abused a child. Painful, so painful, a crime, a heinous crime. But how to come out of it? Such an easy way is given. These very people who have taken the vow of celibacy, passion is bound to come because they have not become reached to that stage. Passion comes and you observe. Passion comes and you observe the sensation. After a few minutes you are out of it. You have not suppressed it. You have not expressed it in a wrong way. You are pure. You are pure. And like this, the whole habit pattern starts changing. A number of them have come out of this this madness and are living such a good life. So Vipassana is, I see, the only answer. If you want to work only at the surface level, then you are suppressing, suppressing. But you work at the depth level, the habit pattern changes, you are easily out of it. How is Vipassana different than Patanjali Yoga? I had studied Patanjali Yoga even before going to Vipassana. After Vipassana, when I again studied it, 90% of the sutras, or rather 95% of the sutra, sutras are pure Vipassana. Nothing but Vipassana. 
people have forgotten what Patanjali Yoga is. Now they may use it only for physical exercise, asana, pranayam, yoga. Yoga is being taught everywhere, yoga, yoga, yoga. What yoga? Yoga. Yoga means you get connected. Connected with what? The ultimate truth, which is eternal. How you, by this physical exercise, you reach there? The technique is lost. Unfortunately, the entire country lost it. Now again it is revived. It was lost everywhere, wherever it went. One neighboring country maintained it in its pristine purity. Unfortunately, I was born in that country, Myanmar, Burma. Other five countries, four countries also maintained the words of Buddha. Technique was lost. But this country maintained purity of the technique also from teacher to people, from teacher to people, over 2,000 years in pristine purity. Very few people. And that is why again it has come in its purity to the country of origin, again it is spread around the world. So we don't condemn any other technique. But of course the way in which Patanjali Yoga is being used is not proper. If one practices Vipassana and goes through every sutra, it is nothing but Vipassana. Sometimes mere translation of the Pali words, mere translation of Pali words, nothing else. But one has to practice Vipassana to understand Patanjali Yoga. In Satipatthana Sutta, why did Buddha want to observe your body starting from hair, nail, organs of the body? The beginning is different for people of different mentality. There are people who are slaves of passion and he finds these people must understand what is this body to which they give so much importance and generate passion, passion, lust towards the body. So then start first with the body, parts of the body here, eyes, teeth, nails, etc. And then go deep, the bones. And as you keep on, keep on observing it, contemplating, you're not experiencing as yet. Oh, what is this? What is this body? The bone, the flesh, the blood. What is this? your attraction towards the body becomes less, less, less. And then it switches over. It starts with that and switches over again the same thing. And you reach the stage where mere vibrations, mere vibrations. So where it starts depends on the people who are of a certain mentality. But majority of them start with anapana and get the same result. So start with anapana by taking a 10-day course. In this tradition, it is prohibited. A teacher will never ask any dana, any donation. Totally prohibited. But at times I break this rule. I want dana. What dana? I want ten valuable days of your invaluable life. Give me this dana. For your good. For your benefit. And who knows, through you. For the good and benefit of so many others. Spare ten days of your life and enjoy real peace, real harmony, real spirituality. Good for you and good for everyone. Be happy. Be happy. Be happy.